You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. Luke, the 10th chapter. Put your finger on the 38th verse. And in the King James, it reads this way. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And as and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask, Lord, that you be with us today. Help me to glean out of this, Father, the the message that you placed upon my heart. As we honor our mothers in this house today, Father, I pray that this message will get to the heart of each and wonderful, beautiful lady in this place, and that we gentlemen will perk up our ears and hear what needs to be said, what we need to glean, Father, in this message. We'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And those of you who are listening by radio, you're probably hearing this broadcast. uh, This is a Mother's Day service. You're hearing this broadcast delayed. But we're so glad that you're a part of us. Uh, We reach 37 countries by radio, and we're so glad that you are with us at Passion Church today. Lean in because we're going to talk about Mary and Martha for just a moment. Uh, But I want to talk about mothers more, even more so than that. Mr. Brody, you're ready to be my runner today, right? You got your microphone. I I want to get a little bit of audience participation, and although we're a little bit thinner than our normal crowd, um, I, I need some participation. So all of my mothers, listen up. I need from you some descriptive duties of a mom, things that mothers do, because I could stand up here and say things, and I'll miss it by a mile. So would any of my ladies have have something you'll share with us that mothers do? Changing diapers. Change. Oh, that's that's a, well, dads do that, but. We don't do it near as well. How many of you dads slept just a little bit longer when you knew the baby's diaper needed to be changed? You had one eye open going, is she listening? Is she paying attention? <laughs> All right, who else? I have to make pies at 9 o'clock at night for tomorrow's, the next day's activity. Late night baking. All right, we got one over here. Go ahead. Make lunches. Make lunches. All right. After getting up all hours of the night, feeding a baby, getting up two hours early in the morning so you can get ready before everybody else make sure everybody gets out the door on time. Oh, duties. Yes, we got hands back here. I would say the two number one things for me is an encourager and a builder of our future for the kids. So it's just being all things for kids. I think moms kind of see all the needs in the house, and sometimes dad miss those. It's not that they intentionally do, but you kind of see what needs to be done with the kids. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, all the way back. 
coordination of schedules. Ooh, yeah. Where would we be without that? I'm so glad I got Brody for this. A fat man running up down the aisle would never work. Or when you're potty training a new kid and they take off their diaper and they decide not to go in the potty chair, but beside it. <laughs> so cleanup duty, right? All right. Referee fights and F air traffic control. So <laughs> like what Jessica said, constantly <laughs> negotiating the ever-changing schedule and then on top of groundings and discipline and yeah. It's good times. Okay. All right. That's good. I'm loving it. Anyone else? Draw from your own experiences, lady. Please feel free. Yes. When you feel like spit up and puke and snotty noses <laughs> is your natural scent of perfume. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, up here. <laughs> Laundry, wash, dry, and put away. Oh, yeah. That's a big That's one. That's a big one. That is um, a big me, one. Me, on a personal note, um, be the counselor to my boys on girlfriends. Okay. All right. A little counseling going on there. We got laundry and counseling. All right. This one's a little personal, but. It's all right. No more private bathroom breaks or showers. <laughs> that goes away, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, For those of us who homeschool, we are the teachers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Teacher. Absolutely. Someone said nursing duty. Is that, does that sound right? So I actually read the scripture a little quicker. I was going to read the scripture here. I got ahead of myself a little bit. But let's go ahead and here's what I, here's what I want you to see. We, we hit on a few things, uh, but the contributions of a mother to her children are astounding. And I would venture to say that 98% of all the nurturing and bonding with a child comes from the mother. 98% of the guidance for both male and female children has come from our mothers. Our society, after the Industrial Revolution, had a, had a seismic shift in the way rearing children is done. Before the Industrial Revolution, there was a, a greater uh, responsibility of sharing parenting when oftentimes the child, the male children would go to work with their father and learn the family trade. And then the women would teach the young ladies of the family the domestic responsibilities of a family. But after the Industrial Revolution, that all shifted to where men got their living and made their living away from home and they couldn't take their children with them to work and train them up in the family business, but everyone began to punch a time clock, and suddenly mothers became the primary caregiver to the children. And because of that, the society that we live in today has been nurtured for now several generations by the women pretty much alone. And so... It's changed the landscape of how children are reared. It has changed the landscape of how children grow up. It's changed the landscape of, of how they move, operate, and have their being. And so I just want to share with you, if I can, just a little bit, that our society has placed an imbalance on our home life. 
and that a few of our mothers have a, a luxury of domestication, but so many mothers now, because of the way society is structured and because of our economic climate, the demands for extra income into every home has caused another seismic shift in how children are reared in our homes. And so now mothers not only have to have domesticated duties that, that's in their DNA, but they also are working outside the home. Now, in this congregation, by the, by the show of hands, how many of you work outside the home and have to juggle both work life and your domestic life? Just raise your hand. Keep them up real big. Look at that. Look at that. I applaud you. I applaud you with everything because that is an amazing, an amazing responsibility that you carry out. So I believe because of this seismic shift uh, that has been added to the workload of the demand upon that one parent who was designed to be a helper, not a workforce, that that has changed things to a, a place that a woman's domestic life and responsibilities, although are her design and in her DNA, it has caused her to be a force of stability to her husband and to her children, and she has become, in my opinion, the bedrock of a healthy home, and what lies within the stability of the mother and the wife is what is the stability of the home. A husband is supposed to lead his family with a vision and provision. And the wife's original uh, calling from the Garden of Eden was to be a helpmate. But now so many of our wives and our mothers work outside of the home, outside of the original intent of God, that you're doing double duty and double work. And you're working yourself sometimes from the moment you get up in the morning, go to your job, then you come home and you have all the domestic duties that you have to do there. And I would honestly say that probably if most of us men were honest, that our wives probably do, you know, 95% of everything that happens around the house is really rests upon her shoulders. And we're pretty good at coming in and barking an order here and there. But uh, for the most part, they're the glue that holds our life together. Gentlemen, if you agree with that, would you give your wife, just give your wife a hand clap right now. Let her know you appreciate her. Mm. That was pretty weak, gentlemen. <laughs> So the husband's supposed to lead the family with a vision and provision, which gives the family direction. And a wife adds the support of the vision or the direction by being a helper to that vision. Here's a side note that I want to share. A woman will find it much easier to follow a man with a vision who adds direction to the family. Sir, if you... Define the family's direction and purpose. The greatest help you will ever receive in this life lies within the woman that you have taken to your side because she believes in you. You won't have a battle if you give vision to your home. If you give direction to your family and you, you say, this is the direction we're going to go. When Pastor Colleen and I were dating, 
When we decided we were going to get married, I told her one thing. I said, if you want to go with me, this is the direction we're going. We're going after God, and we're going after God for the remainder of our life. Our family will serve God, and we'll have no other gods before us. I made that very clear, did I not? And she, she saw that vision. A woman can follow a man with a vision and a direction and a purpose. If a man doesn't give a clear vision, direction, and purpose, then that wife oftentimes has to get out of the place that God has designed her to be to stand up and take and try to add direction to a directionless mission. And so oftentimes men think, you know, well, uh, you know, my job is to just be a couch potato when I get home from work. No, your job is to come home and to continue to love your wife, your children, add direction and purpose to them and to your life, to your home, pray over your family, be there as a support to your wife who could say amen to that. But unfortunately, our society, our family institution, and our moral stability has been under attack to the point of annihilation. And many mothers are raising their children solely on their own, sometimes even with the father in the picture. They make everything rest upon the shoulders of these women. And mothers as a whole are overburdened, underpaid, and taxed on every front, and way too busy to enjoy the moment that they're living in. Mother's Day comes, and they get a card, a meal out, and an I love you. But today, Mom, my message is one of permission. I want you to put the busyness aside and relax for a moment I could preach to you all day about all that you do and still wouldn't cover everything. So the Word of God lays out for us this story. Martha and Mary. Martha is busy with the domestic duties. And Mary's going, just give me more of Jesus. I came today to give you ladies permission to have a cow gone moment. Now, some of you may don't even know what I'm talking about. The older ones got that. There used to be a commercial on years ago that it showed that the mother who, who was busy and struggling with keeping up with everything finally stole away in that private bathroom where you can't finally, where sometimes you can't find a moment and soaked down in a tub with a bubble bath called Calgon, and they just let all their burdens float away. Take me away, Calgon. That used to be their slogan. I want to give you a Calgon moment for a, for a minute today. I want you to understand that in the busyness and the myriad of responsibilities that mothers do, and especially you single mothers who have to be everything, that it is not criminal nor is it wrong for you to have a moment to just put everything else aside and get alone with your God and let the cares of life float away. If you got to call a friend to have them watch your kids, it's okay. If you put the demand on your husband to take you out to dinner, treat you like the prize you really are, it's okay. That should happen. With everything in me, I believe what I'm saying today. 
I, I came in here today to give praise and honor where praise and honor is due. And ladies, you deserve it. I wish we had all of our mothers in the house today. I'm hoping they're watching. Because you deserve it. You deserve an attaboy. You deserve a pat on the back. You deserve our respect. You deserve. I want to share with you just real quickly some extraordinary women and mothers in the word of God who who while they were doing their duties of domestication also did extraordinary, amazing feats. Such as Tamar. She refused to be denied her rights and she sired the future of the Messiah. Her determination leveled an injustice in life and produced the hope of God, both past, present, and future, for the world to receive its Messiah. Rachel was desperate to please her husband and couldn't provide him children, but she wanted to leave a legacy. She wanted to leave a legacy to her husband. And in her old age, she finally was able to sire children, and she one of the children that uh, she gave to Jacob or Israel was Joseph. And Joseph, who dreamed a dream and saved a nation in its infancy from destruction, was the legacy that Rachel left in the midst of the support of her husband and her domestic duties. She changed the world. Hannah gave dedication of her child back to the blessing of her source. The one who gave her the blessing is the one she honored. And Hannah, this sweet little mother who so desperately had a maternal cry and down in her her heart of hearts wanted a child to hold and to raise so desperately was willing to give that child back to God and she gave God a prophet to the nations, to the world. You and I still read his words today. Esther dedicated herself to the higher purposes and married a king. She married a man older than her a man that she probably had little in common with. But because there was a call on her life to make a difference in her world, she married a man, and by marrying this king, even though he wasn't of her origin, she married a king who stopped the death plague that could have wiped out her people. Ruth left all that was familiar to her to serve the legacy of her deceased husband. And she wound up meeting her kinsman redeemer in a foreign land. Her willingness to glean in lean times and to be faithful to her mother-in-law opened up opportunities for her to live a life of great prosperity because she stayed faithful to the call. We don't look 
favorable upon the work of Rahab, but Rahab made a way at her own risk for God's purpose among her people who were heathen, and her name appears in the genealogies of Jesus. Lois and Eunice kept the gift of God stirred for Timothy, who was a spiritual son of Paul, who pastored and pioneered the work of God during difficult times in the infancy of the church. I love this one. Mary Magdalene pushed past taboos and cultural laws to make open worship of the Messiah an accepted norm. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, carried the promise of God at her own personal risk, ridicule, persecution, and gossip. Her family was disappointed in her. Her friends were disappointed in her because all they could think was that she was in sin when what she really was was in the will of God. And yet she risked it all to bring into the world the promise of God. Mm. She provided the world with God's greatest gift to all mankind. And ladies, that's why I honor you today. Because a mother is the incubator of life. A mother loves before a child is born. A mother directs, corrects, nurtures, urges, and even pushes a child toward their destiny. And her heart sometimes can be conflicted when the day comes for her child and her children to leave her home. Because on one hand, she wants that child to go after their life, go after their, their, their dreams, to conquer the impossible, to dream the dreams that's upon their heart, to cast their vision, to subdue their kingdoms. But on the other hand, her heart secretly says, but don't forget the one who is your biggest fan, your mom. <laughs> it's your mom who wears the T-shirt with your picture on it. It's your mom who sits on the sidelines of your Little League baseball game. And when you strike out for the third time, she goes, that's all right, honey. That's my baby. <laughs> when you get into an entanglement on the football field in high school and you're at the bottom of the, the stack, if, if she thought you was hurt on the sideline, she'd throw every one of them big boys off the top of you. They may be little, but they can be loud. The Bible describes them as the weaker sex. I want you to understand something. That word in its original intention doesn't mean weak. <laughs> it means delicate. There's a difference between being weak and being delicate. And gentlemen, your wife was given to you to be a help meet. She wasn't put in your path because she's delicate, she's put in your path because she's strong. And she has strength, gentlemen, you can't pull from. How many of us 
think that the race would have went on the way it has gone on for all these centuries if we men had to birth the children. I had a kidney stone and thought I was losing my mind. I was crawling along the floor begging someone, put me out of my misery. And when my wife saw the size of that stone when I passed it, she said, you were making all that fuss over that little tiny pebble? And so tenderly she looked at me and said, try birthing a watermelon. I may have to edit that clean off the radio. I don't know. (laughs) So let me bring this full circle if I can. So many mothers like Martha are troubled with the busyness of life and the never-ending duties of it all. But mom, don't lose yourself in the process of processing. Your efforts are producing greatness for God. But sometimes you need a cow gone moment, a hot tub, a bubble bath, a box of chocolates, and alone time with the Messiah. You're created so differently than we are, ladies, that I love God's design. I don't process the way you do. But the truth is, is I couldn't do what you do. When a male child is determined in the womb, testosterone washes across his brain and kills off one side of his thinking capabilities. So, ladies, it is true your man is half brain dead. That's scientific. We process completely different. We men think with one side of our brain. That's why we are hunters, gatherers. If it moves, kill it. If it can be cooked, let's grill it. Women, they're the ones that carve the carrots to look like a flower. You know what I'm talking about. We're so different in the way that we're created. God created man. But the word says that God fashioned Eve. Fashion. You said it. Whoa, man. Whoa, man. Come on. Ladies, you're uniquely designed. Mankind could not do what it does nor survive without you. And then when the element of childbirth is introduced, I didn't understand the value of my wife until I stood with her in labor, giving birth to my son. It didn't register. It didn't register what treasure I had until I was in that moment. And in the pain and the agony that she was going through for 22 hours, the whole 
birthing process was on a rise and a fall, a rise and a fall and a rise and a fall. And there were moments when the baby was in danger. And the harshest thing she said in all of it was, I sure hope this is worth it. And then felt guilty she said that. I'd have been screaming, drugs, drugs, give me lots of drugs. But I was created. She was fashioned. And she was fashioned to fit and complement my life. We often, we've coined the phrase when we often say, when we introduce our wife, well, this is the better half. Well, you gentlemen, you, you really know that's true. Ladies, God saves the best to last. You might have been second in the creative order, but you're not least. Hmm. You are not least. When a woman's given time to decompress, time for her to gather her thoughts and find herself, she rejuvenates in the presence of God. And in those moments when life is frazzled and falling apart, and you're beginning to think you're stressed to the nth degree. Just one moment in the presence of the Lord and suddenly you're able to reproduce again. There's something about a woman, no matter whether it's in childbirth or any other project you give your wife, gentlemen. She has the ability to take it, incubate it, give it life, and hand it back to you far better than you gave it to her. And this is why God wouldn't allow mankind to continue the way that it was. Ladies, I want you to know that your worth far exceeds what you do. You are more valuable than any treasure that we could put in our bank account. You are a valuable treasure in God's kingdom. You are second in the order of creation, but not second in the purposes of God. You are here by design. God formed you from the dust. God formed man from the dust, but you were fashioned by God for God's purpose to help mankind in its weakness. Man alone can't incubate or multiply life. He can't nurture like a mother. We can be tender with our children. We, we are the ones that are responsible for affirming our children, both male and female. That is an element that every child needs, and any child raised without the affirmation of their father is a child that's a little bit lost in this life. Rather, their father's at home or not in the picture. But ladies, a man cannot nurture the way you do. <laughs> We, we, we say things like this, oh, shake it off. When you be like, come here, honey. We say things like, stop that, boys don't cry. 
when mothers know even boys have tender hearts. And my favorite one is this one. Go ask your mother. Man, he can cast the vision in a direction for life, but he needs a helper. A man isn't good alone. Even God declared it in Genesis when God said, you ain't good. It ain't good for a man to be alone. This is why God created you, ladies. He understood it ain't good. The boy ain't got it all. He's good at what he does, but he can't do everything. And with his tolerance of pain, we ain't going to get no children in the earth. So he put him to sleep and he fashioned you, ladies. He fashioned you, put within you the maternal cry. Because God said it's not good for a man to be alone. The world was in trouble without you, Mom. Have you ever left filling the dishwasher to your husband and your children? How many know you're going to come back and have to redo it? I want you to understand that you are important, ladies. I might be doing it in a comical way, but you're so important. Every Martha needs a merry moment. And even revival, ladies, would be pale without you. Because we men, we get busy about the busyness. You ladies know that nurturing relationship, that's why prayer is always filled more with women than men because women understand relationship. You were created to be relational. And men were created to conquer. Men are visionaries, but women put the heart to the vision. Men see what needs to be done mechanically, but women understand the emotions behind the call. So, let me finish. Hmm. Even revival would be pale without you because no one else understands the price of sacrifice like you. Because even Mary, who supported her son in ministry, who birthed the promise, had those moments when she was underappreciated, when she came to have audience with Jesus and he was in the middle of teaching and he just used that moment as a teaching moment. She was desiring to see him. And someone told him, Master, your mother needs audience with you. And he piped up and said, Who is my mother? Now, I'm sure he didn't mean it in disrespect, but how many mothers that would cut to your heart? And you would silently sit by and not tell your child that hurt your feelings. Yet that same Mary who received that little hurtful moment under her son's ministry while supporting him, she was wearing the Jesus t-shirt, was also the person at the foot of the cross weeping and crying as her child was sacrificing his life for all of mankind. 
She stayed with him to the end supporting him because she understood that relationship is far greater than the mission itself. She stood underneath the cross. She watched his agony. She watched him die. She watched him cry out to his heavenly father, where are you? While at the foot of the cross, she's saying, I'm right here, baby. I'm here. I won't leave you. Even though this is a shameful death and everyone looks upon me as though my son is a criminal, I'll stay here. I birthed you in ridicule and I'll be here as you die and I'll take the ridicule because I'm a mom. I'm the creation of God with a heart. It was Mary who held his lifeless body. It was Mary who helped clean him up and wrap him in a shroud. Mary was there to make sure his body was taken proper care of. And I wonder if a little bit of Mary's hope died the day Jesus died. I wonder if what had been prophesied to her by Simeon sunk in that day for this child will cause in his life many to come to salvation but his mission will run a sword through your heart Mary and yet she stood there with his blood all over her hands, her body, her clothing. Not one ounce of shame in her heart. This is my child. We men have the mission of God, but you women, you mothers have the heart of God. That's why the word calls him El Shaddai, the many-breasted one. It means there's a tender, nurturing side to our Heavenly Father. And that's what you ladies have been given. And the world would be bankrupt without you. So to every mama, my mama watching... Who've ever had your child just a little too busy in their lifestyle to give you the proper attention? Thank you. To every mother that stood by a child that got himself into trouble, thank you. To every mother who has sacrificed time, talent, money, effort, 
who's listened to squeaking floorboards at night and wondered when that child's going to pull in the driveway when they get older. For every knee that's been bandaged, every cut, every broken bone that you watched over. Thank you. Thank you. And Heavenly Father, thank you for giving mankind this gift. Ladies, not a man in this place can do what you can do. Men aren't domestic. We don't even think that way. all of the confusion that's going on in our society. They're trying to blur the lines between male and female. Let me tell you something. You can't stamp out the order of God. You can legislate. You can deny. You can picket. You can protest. But you cannot change the order of God. And you, Mom, are the heart and the life of all mankind. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. First of all, for your mercy, your grace, your gift, your talents, your desire, your son. We worship you, Father, for who you are, what you've done, and what you are in our lives individually and corporately. We thank you for the spirit of revival that's happening, Father, even in our presence. But today, Father, we want the world to stop for just a moment and recognize your second in order of creation. The woman you gave me. The words that Adam used as an accusation I use with great honor today. For man got himself into trouble. And if he'd have just gave the right directions, the world would have stayed out of trouble. Give every father in this place, every man in this place, every husband in this place direction. And every future husband, let them understand that if they'll set the order of the house and cast the vision for the home, they will have the greatest treasure living in their life when they marry. Because any woman who hears and understands the vision of a man is willing to be a helpmate. As we lift today our mothers and thank you, we give you praise, Father, for your idea because your designs are flawless.
Your purposes and your reasonings, Father, are perfect. And this God-given gift that's been given to all mankind, today, we say thank you. Pour out your presence on every mother watching, streaming, listening by radio, or sitting in this sanctuary right now. Release your anointing to every woman in this house, even to the little future women who are in their classes learning right now. Protect them, Father. Strengthen them. Exalt their giftings. And release them upon our lives that we may see the handiwork of God in our very presence. For every woman who's feeling like Martha, everything's too busy, there's too much coming in, I ask, Father, right now that you would untangle all of the tangled emotions and feelings and allow them right now to feel your heart. Cause them to have some Calgon moments. And, Father, give them a voice to demand their rights for a few moments of gathering themselves in the busyness of life. Father, I ask that the blessing of the Lord would remain on every mother under the sound of my voice. We'll be careful, Father, today to recognize your blessing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.